You don't get it, son. This isn't a mud hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. in broad daylight. I know why you're afraid to go out at night. The Batman. See, Batman has shown Gotham the true colors. Just a picture. For the next five minutes, I'm in control. Get the money! Hello there, citizens of Gotham. Welcome back to the Eternal Night Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the world's greatest detective, the Dark Knight of the DC Universe, Batman. I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Philip Barker, alongside my other heroic co-host, who often takes the place of Alfred or Nightwing, whatever your discretion is. Um, Craig, Mr. Craig Blaylock. Craig, my guy. How you feeling, man? I'm about to take the role of Two-Face and go bananas here in a little bit. About to bring out Big Bad Craig? Mm-hmm, Big Bad Craig's about to... Ooh, boy. Ooh, I'm a... I'm a... I'm a shut up. <laughs> Big Bad Craig gonna flip his coin, and he's gonna let everybody know how he really feels. Mm. Oh, man. But yes, we, we are making... We are finally making good on that promise. We are going to be talking yeah. about the, the Two-Face animated part of for batman the animated series as we continue to go through that show on hbo max mm-hmm. hey hey now look i almost said it's not hbo max's fault because it nah. eh, well yes and no nah. um um to kind of brighten the mood a little bit we we it, it occurred to me before we started recording that we're we're now almost 20 ish episodes these, these will be 17 and 18 if you go with the hbo max listing um and that total show count, total episode count, I think is 85 for Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. So we're about almost about a quarter of the way through Batman the Animated Series. Craig, how does that make you feel? 
Yeah, feels good. And I mean, we also we covered, you know, the Mask of the Phantasm. So we're doing pretty good with the Batman animated stuff. Unlike its own freaking company. You know, I like that we did a commentary to that and then jumped into the animated series because that felt yeah. very in line because you know mask of the phantasm kind of goes back and forth between batman's first year then we jump right in the animated series which literally picks up batman in his prime during his career you get to see him fight all his crazy villains like poison ivy like uh the joker like the riddler and scarecrow and now now we're up to two-face it is kind of interesting to think that the batman mask of the phantasm works as both a beginning and an end for the animated series if you really think about it yeah that was our second episode i think we did the commentary to mm-hmm. i guess you could even call it our first official episode minus the yeah. intro episode we did with an old friend of mine but yeah it is very interesting that we're now almost a quarter of the way through the animated series and um well craig i think before we uh talk the stuff that we we were really enjoying talking about mm. what we're, we're looking forward to we got some um we got some bad news we got to talk about yeah so our last episode we did about two weeks ago you know we were just talking about you know things going on and you know warner brothers land and dc films and a bunch of other stuff and we were talking about how you know i think we mentioned batgirl i'd have to go back and listen to it but i think that might have came up in conversation how batgirl was supposed to you know mm-hmm. fit into the whole timeline of DC Extended Universe. Well, it's funny, too, because I seem to remember that in that last episode, I specifically remember I said something along the lines of, like, I hope that this merger is kind of a beginning point that, you know, we're going to start getting things lined up and getting things more organized and moving in a better direction. Well, they're and, organizing, all right. You know. <laughs> they're organizing. They're cleaning house. They're making making decisions they're changing some stuff and they're um well um so warner brothers has merged with discovery that is that is officially a thing it has been officially the case since i want to say somewhere in the middle of april uh david zaslav is now the ceo of warner brothers discovery and uh based on the internet because i'm still on twitter craig's not on twitter for the time being um Mm. david zaslav has gotten a, a bit of a nickname uh, what that... What's that? What's that nickname? David Axlav. No, not surprised. Because from what I understand and what people have been saying, and you know, in the Twitter sphere, people have have their comments. But people close to the situation, sources, unnamed sources, what have you, being reported by credible people and the Hollywood Reporter, Variety, et cetera, et cetera, or even just other people within that sphere. Um, David Zaslav is is just coming in and, and and it's like he's holding an axe and he's just hacking away at stuff, allegedly to, to cut costs and to save Warner Brothers going, some money and get them out of debt. He's going Jason Voorhees on this stuff at the rate he's going. Jason Voorhees, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers. Take your mm. horror icon pick. The the man has an axe to grind and he is, well, he's making a name for himself and. By God, this this news came as a shock to many, many mm-hmm. people. This was record. This was reported like early, early in August, and this is August second is when this news officially broke. Um, this is I'm reading this from Variety, and th- I shit you not, this is the title of the headline: Batgirl film axed by Warner Brothers won't be released on any platform. A completed film, mind you, a 
finished film, mind you. Finished in the sense that it was in post-production and getting ready to yeah. be released. Natalie Holt, who composed for Loki, was composing the score. Matter of fact, I just read today that she got Daniel Elfman's blessing, or Danny Elfman's blessing for uh, for using the, the, the theme for Batman in that movie as well. Wow. But also getting to do her own spin on Batgirl. But, um, yes, Batgirl is no longer happening. Uh, it will $90 not, million. Dollars, just $90 million. Down and the drain. It's it's funny because it was initially reported as seven, $70 million. So now where the other extra $20 million came from, I have no idea. But yeah. acor- according to what I'm reading here, I'm just going to read the Variety article verbatim. Uh, the production, starring Leslie Grace as Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Batgirl, and directed by the Bad Boys for Life and Miss Marvel filmmakers, Adil El Arby and Bilal Falah was greenlit in 2021 as part of a company-wide effort at WB to create feature films specifically for HBO Max. Uh, As it was on good authority, uh, Batgirl was going to be an HBO Max exclusive film, but the new corporate regime at WB Discovery has pivoted the company's priorities back to theatrical features, leaving Batgirl without a proper home. Also on the chopping block was Scoob Holiday Haunt, the follow-up to the 2020 film Scoob. That has also been shelved by the studio. Footage for the animated adaption of the Scooby-Doo series was showcased in a sizzle reel for the HBO Max back in December of 2021. Sources indicated to WB, sources indicated that the production of that cost about forty million dollars. That, that's baffling to me that you even just can that. But yeah. Studio insiders insist the decision to axe Batgirl was not driven by the quality of the film or the commitment of the filmmakers, but by the desire for the studio's slate of DC features to be a blockbuster, be at a blockbuster scale. Uh, Batgirl was budgeted to a screen in homes, uh, was budgeted to screen in homes on HBO Max, and not for a major global release in theaters. The initial 75 million production for the project, which finished principal photography earlier this year, was in post-production, reached 90 million dollars, due in part to COVID-related delays and protocols. Uh, the decision still comes as a shock. Studio has almost never shelved a production outright, preferring at least to get some return on their investment. It also comes as Warner Brothers is still contending with what to do about The Flash. We'll definitely talk about that a little bit, I'm sure. Um, In the DC adaptation, created and budgeted specifically for a theatrical release in 2023. The film has been utterly hamstrung by repeated allegations of abuse and misconduct by its main star, Ezra Miller. Uh, It's not like Batgirl was a small movie either. Along with Leslie Grace in the title role, J.K. Simmons was set to play Barbara's father, Commissioner Jim Gordon. Michael Keaton was also supposed to reprise his role as Batman, as he does in The Flash. Brendan Fraser was slated to play the villain Firefly. And according to Variety, Leslie Grace told in April that she had preliminary discussions with L. Arby and Falal. Falah, sorry if I mispronounced that, about what a sequel could be. Uh, that's pretty much the gist of it. There is another quote here from Melissa Grace. She says, the crazy stunts, the crazy drops. She's a biker chick, so you're going to see her do a bunch of badassery. There were a lot of long days, but it was so worth it. And I'm sure it was. Mm. Unfortunately, we will not get to see that. You know, that that one quote that you said in there, I feel is just the biggest middle finger to everyone involved in that project, where they're like, well... We didn't cancel it because it's a bad movie. We just canceled it because, you know, cost. And it's just like, so it had nothing to do about the quality of the project. That just makes it, I think, even worse. It's just such a slap in the face to everyone who was involved in that project. You ever heard the song Boom by System of a Down? Oh, yeah. There's a specific line in that song. The line goes... 
the bottom line is money. Nobody gives a f mm -hmm. And that really feels like to be the case here. Um, from what I understand, they're going to maybe get back 15 20 million dollars in in return tax credit but the thing the the trade-off is they can't release that film period like they cannot release it they cannot show it they cannot monetize it in any way shape or form once that tax write-off is done it's disgusting i agree 110 percent. i agree i think this is absolutely a huge slap in the face to everyone who worked and put their blood sweat and tears into this project i do not disagree on that front at all i think it's absolute nonsense that they're going to just shelve this project entirely as it's in post-production form it, it's 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 unheard of There's, something like this is absolutely unprecedented matter of fact people in hollywood are just furious at, at the fact that this even happened and it's even into question now of whether or not people will work with wb in the future because of stuff like this like why would you want to go and work for a company that's just be like well you know if we want to cut costs we're just going to yeah. can your film whenever we want it's like that's rude harsh yeah, just so that they can get a tax break like i would i wouldn't want to work with them i mean good lord very true now here's the other side of the coin that i'm really not too favorable of but i have seen echoed in in certain regards i don't think it was also a smart idea on the previous regime's part to be like, yeah, let's make a Batgirl movie and have it be HBO Max exclusive at $90 that million. Like, yeah. And not only that, you're going to release a Batgirl movie where Michael Keaton is your Batman. And Michael Keaton is, from what this plan might have entailed, because let's make no bones about it, Walter Hamada almost walked away and quit his job over this, which I, I don't buy for a second, actually. Mm -hmm. I think that's absolute bullshit in itself. But... I think it was a boneheaded decision to even greenlight this film in the first place without some concrete idea of what you were going to do with your extended universe going forward. I mean, yeah. the, the sentiment has been echoed many times on this show and in other places that I don't understand how you have a 70-year-old Batman at the center of your universe. That just yeah. that doesn't make a lick of sense to me at all. And you also have the Commissioner Gordon from the Snyder universe is the commissioner gordon in this film like i don't know there were some really just questionable things even about the setup of this film but man i wanted i wanted to at least see what brendan Fraser was going to look like as firefly come on man there are some set photos i can shoot you later but yeah i've seen yeah i've seen the set photos but i wanted to see, see in action. action i hear you okay yeah but again you know I think it was kind of a boneheaded decision to be like, yeah, let's do this with this Batman, but then it might lead to Crisis on Infinite Earths. For the longest time, I thought that was total bullshit because that yeah. just that didn't make any sense to me. But then looking back at what Walter Hamada and Sarnoff and company had in plan for the DC Universe, and I say that plan term loosely because <laughs> they didn't have one, um, it, this is just more proof of that. Like, they had no clue of what to do. Like, they were banking on... Uh, if my theory is correct, and I'm not saying it is, but the way things were looking from the outside perspective, having not seen these movies, if The Flash was supposed to reset everything, consolidate things into some streamlined timeline where you have Michael Keaton as your Batman, Supergirl's the super character going forward, you bring in Batgirl, etc., etc., but then you're going to lead up to some Crisis on Infinite Earths film, which, well, what does Crisis on Infinite Earths do in the comics? It streamlines everything into a <laughs> yeah. singular world universe, and I'm just like... 
two reboots within a yeah ten year time. Like what? Yeah. What kind of sense does that even make? It just it just further shows that there was just no game plan here. Not at all. No. And based on what I've also seen today, apparently the Flash has had like record high test screening scores, which I don't understand why that even matters at this point. Yeah, for real. Like from what I understand that it's tested high, but people are like, Oh, the third act, it might need to be reworked. I almost guarantee you with this film getting canned, Michael mm-hmm. Keaton having his cameo in Aquaman being reshot with a Ben Affleck cameo. I can almost guarantee you the third act of the flash is probably going to get reshot. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of which, Ezra Miller actually made a statement in regards to his, their, sorry, their, their actions and accusations and things of that nature. Um, They have come out, they have apologized, they are seeking help for what is being described as serious mental health issues, and I applaud them for getting that kind of help. But it is also on good authority that there has been a gigantic smear campaign against Ezra Miller from the go in regards to a single person just putting out one bit of nonsense after the next to just try and slam them through the mud. So, regardless of what is actually going on, I'm just thankful that Ezra Miller is getting the help that they need to push through this. And also, there were there was another Variety article that came out a, like a week ago with three options of what to do with the Flash film. And the first option is allegedly the one they're going with, where Ezra Miller comes out, makes a statement, says their apology, and then they move forward and have them you know (laughs) attend the press attend press junkets promote the movie what have you the second option was keep them away from the press and just go forward with the extended cast and have them do the press the third option was shelve the flash film entirely yeah i mean they've already shelved one 90 million dollar film yes but at the same time (laughs) the flash is not a 90 million dollar film it's a 200 million dollar film and it's also meant to be a theatrical release and if it's if it's testing as high as they're saying it is well i say put it out yeah maybe put it out as i don't know if you want to put it out as is i'm not entirely sure matter of fact i i would actually not be shocked no pun intended if they move release dates again after Black Adam. I would not be surprised in the slightest. I have a feeling that's coming, honestly. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I really wouldn't. If they with, dis- all of these, with all these cancellations and moves and all this stuff, it's just, I yeah, I think it's going to happen again. And truth be told, I would be genuinely surprised if Shazam stuck out its December release date and went up against Avatar a week after it releases in theaters. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't either. I think it'll get moved to, like, February or something. I don't yeah. know. That's the word on the street. Um, Aquaman, you can almost guarantee that's probably moving from its March date. Mm-hmm. And then The Flash. Release it in, like, fall. Like, maybe July, maybe late summer. Like, July or August. Oh, no, no, you can't do that because Blue Beetle's apparently coming out <laughs> in August 2023. So, maybe, just maybe move it to, like, it's... Move it in November, September. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, maybe October. This, maybe. I don't know. This is just... It, it's so funny that on the last episode, I was like, oh, maybe this means that they're kind of moving in a direction of some sort. And the more we learn, the more I'm just like, these... They've got no clue what they're doing. At this point, they're just scrambling to save money at every opportunity. I think I might have mentioned in the last episode, but from what I understand, um, just based on what I've read... Um, 
the new heads of Warner Brothers Pictures, um, Mike DeLuca, Pam Abdi, and then, of course, Alan Horn has been brought in to supervise things and be a kind of advisor in the role, if you will. Um, from what I understand, they're not exactly keen on the idea of Michael Keaton being Batman either. Mm, fancy that. Fancy that. And what was Michael Keaton going to be Batman in? Well, Batgirl. Mm-hmm. The Flash. Um, yeah, I, I, I truly think that, that Michael Keaton's Batman might have had something to do with Batgirl getting shoved out the door. But I don't know. I don't know that for sure. Yeah, it's just, it's all a mess. Now, if you're trying to, not salvage, but if you're trying to, like, say the DCU multiverse or whatever, release the Flash, then release Batgirl. Like, do it as a one-off multiverse tale, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. what harm could it really do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've already, they've already done one-offs already. They freaking did Joker. Yeah, yeah, had they did. Nothing to, had nothing to do with anything going on at the time. So why does this film, why is this the one that gets the axe? It just baffles me. It's unfortunate, definitely, for everyone involved, and I'm not trying to sound like a broken record, but uh, again, yeah. at, the, at the same time, like it was, it was really boneheaded. I'm going to use that term a lot. It was <sighs> superbly boneheaded of Walter Hamada to just push through with this stupid idea that Batman needs to be this aged, old, Nick Fury-ish kind of character. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, why? Yeah. I also find it doubly ironic that the people who were crying and whining about Ben Affleck being too old as Batman were just so head-over-heels happy-go-hucky that Michael Keaton was coming back as Batman. I'm like, he can fight less people than Ben Affleck mm -hmm. can in a, in a stunt room. Like, why is this exciting? And then that's just another thing that just makes you scratch your head. Is like, you know, on our last episode, we talked about the fact that Affleck's coming back as Batman in the Aquaman movie. Right. So it's like, right. what is going on? I'm also kind of hesitant and worried about, like, Matt Reeves' Batman film now, t to some extent, because, To like... be honest, I am too. Like, I remember, man, when we were talking about that movie after release, and, you know, the critical reception, the fan reception, the audience reception, how much money it made, okay, it didn't make a billion dollars, big deal. It, I was just like, wow, this is this is solid. Like they have a Batman universe that they can move in a solid direction, and who knows, like, what kind of craziness are we going to see now with all of this that's been going on? I'm like, are, are we going to get the Batman sequel? Well, allegedly the Penguin show is safe. That's going to start shooting in February. I that's as of right now. Things yeah, can change. Take that for a grain of freaking salt at this point. I mean, again, this, this this really speaks more to like how WBD is treating their creative talent. Yeah. And if if you're gonna try and police how Matt Reeves makes his so his follow up, mm. I could easily see him just being like, "No, I'm good. Yeah, Have I'm fun." Out. Yeah. He's yep. he'd walk. I think he yep. would walk. Yep. But I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. Apparently he's all over it. I hope he stays on it. I hope they leave him alone. But I'll, matter of fact, I'll, 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 I'll enlighten you on this. From what I understand, and this is a funny bit, Walter Hamada wasn't a big fan of the Batman. Mm, fancy that. Fancy that. How ironic. Mm. I won't disclose well, how I know that, but 
Yeah, that that that's what I've heard. Well, and then you know to top all this off, and the main reason why I'm so steamed right now is uh just what two hours before we were gonna record this. Oh, dude, I was on a live stream with a couple friends from the Four Nerds. We were on the Nicotina yeah. show, and like I I'm just scrolling through the tweets, and and I see this TV line article, and I, I'm I I had to do a double take. I did that 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 gif of the dude blinking yeah. and like what bell decides to send me uh an article and i'm sitting there i'm getting ready like um getting ready for the podcast here in a little while and i'm like all right you know I'm, I'm pretty ticked about the batgirl thing i'll probably go on a little bit of a rant about that but for those of you who have listened you know that you know the batman animated series is very close and personal to my heart like Mask of the Phantasm is still my absolute favorite Batman movie. That animated series to me is absolute perfection. There's very rarely a time where I can say that there's a bad episode of Batman the Animated Series. And what was it, last year or two years ago, the announcement was made that they were going to do Batman the Cape Crusader, which was... 2020. 2020. Which was essentially going to be a continuation of Batman the Animated Series. In fact, there was even a quote where one of the creators was saying it was going to be more Batman the Animated Series than Batman the Animated Series. So for someone like me, I'm just giddy. I'm like, okay, I'm on board. Matt Reeves is involved. Okay. They're bringing back some of the talent from the Animated Series. Perfection. And Phil sent me a little article. And um, you might want to get the timestamp uh, ready here, Phil. I'm just going to say it quite simply. Warner Brothers. What's the timestamp on that? Okay. 23, 25. Craig says <laughs> F Warner Brothers. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I sent Craig this as I saw it in, in real time. And it was about two, two and a half hours ago. Um, this is coming from TV Line. Uh, the article headline reads, Batman series, Urkel holiday movie among animated projects not moving forward for HBO Max will be shopped. I'm so mad. I am so livid. So as the article implies, uh, Batman, as I'm going to read it here, Batman Cape Crusader, which 15 months ago received a series order from HBO Max and Cartoon Network, is among six animated projects that are no longer being produced for HBO Max, sources confirmed for TV Line. TV Line hears that all six projects, mostly from Warner Brothers Animation, will continue production while they are shopped to other outlets. This news, of course, comes amid numerous programming changes at an in-transition HBO Max, where some projects are being nixed and others already stream on the service are being not so quietly removed. And, as TV Line previously reported, there will be no fifth season of Young Justice since HBO Max only ordered one season of the superhero team-up and the original mm. plan remains unchanged. That chaps my ass quite a bit. Uh, Batman Cape Crusader is an animated reimagining of the Batman mythology by way of Batman the Animated Series own Bruce Timm along with J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, and of course acclaimed comic book writer Ed Brubaker all serving as executive producers. Matt Reeves, which of course directed The Batman, the most recent big screen endeavor, the live action take on The Dark Knight played by Robert Pattinson. J.J. Abrams also in addition of course famous for Star Trek and Star Wars projects along with uh, TV's Lost and Alias, who also has a Constantine and Madame Xanadu shows yes, he has a Constantine show and a Madame Xanadu show both apparently still all good to go for HBO Max 
makes no sense. Right. And apparently he's also doing a Justice League Dark series, which I like J.J. Abrams. I do. I think Justice League Dark is in his wheelhouse. I just don't know how well that's going to turn out. I don't. Mm. I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen because I was really looking forward to seeing what Guillermo del Toro was going to do with that. Yep. Utilizing state-of-the-art animation techniques and technologies, the creative partnership between WB Animation and the executive producers promised to reinvent Batman and his iconic rogues gallery with sophisticated storytelling, <laughs> nuanced characters, and intense action sequences all set in a visually striking world. <laughs> Among the other projects that were canned, uh, the Merry Little Batman sh animated film... Uh, it's an animated family action comedy where six-year-old Damian Wayne finds himself alone in Wayne Manor. He must transform into little Batman in order to defend his home and Gotham City from the crooks and supervillains intent on destroying Christmas. Mike Roth, executive producer and directs from a screenplay by Morgan Evans. The other projects that were also being shopped are The Day the Earth Blew Up, a Looney Tunes movie, uh, Bye Bye Bunny, a Looney Tunes musical, Did I Do That the Holidays, a Steve Urkel story, uh, The Amazing World of Gumball the movie. I mean, the, that Damian Wayne thing, man. We were going to get Home Alone Batman. Yep. That just sounds like so much fun. Damian, a young Damian Wayne in Wayne Manor, Home Aloneing it up with a bunch of Batman villains. And that sounds as, like such a blast. And he's little Batman. It's, it, yeah, he's, it, not, he's not Robin. He's little Batman. And to me, when I think of like Damian Wayne as little Batman, I'm taken back to that comic book panel of like a bit of of when Damien is being courted by Talia, like she's being, you know, he's raising, she's being, she's yeah. raising him, and she has like one of Batman's cowls, and you see an infant Damien in that little cowl, and I'm like, oh hey, look, little Batman. Well, I'm thinking also like to me, I'm imagining the Damien Wayne from the Harley Quinn show. Oh, he's like yeah, he's yeah. he's trying to be a badass, but he's also still a little kid. Yeah, that's true. And that's kind of what I'm picturing, and it works so well in Harley Quinn. Okay, you put that kind of situation with a bunch of villains invading Wayne Manor. Sounds like a blast. Ah, but no, that's not good enough. But boy, they took away Batman and the Cape Crusader. Now, again, yes, it's being shopped. It's like you were saying earlier before we started this episode. It's probably going to get picked up by Netflix well, or something like it's, that. It's for sure going to air on Cartoon Network. Yeah. Like that much is it? I would assume that's still the case because that's I not a streaming sure. service. I don't know. I just it just really makes me just go, okay, what just happened to a few weeks ago when you all came out and said, oh, the forefront of our projects going forward is Batman, Wonder Woman, and the Flash. They're the three most important things. They are going to be the soul of our... And, the, oh, never mind. We're not going to do Batman the Cape Crusader. Well, oh, just, my God. They just had an investor call, and David Zaslav mentioned, like, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, yeah. Aquaman. And it's just like, well, this is a Batman thing, so... Yeah. What are you doing? Oh, my God. It's frustrating. It's 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 beyond frustrating. And honestly, I'm, I'm kind of in the mind that I, I hope Netflix picks it up. I really do. I, I hope so. Cause like I'm 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 purely going off of past deals and things that have happened with their past DC content. Like before HBO Max existed, you know, Batman the Animated Series, Justice League, um, a couple other stuff. Like even Young Justice. You got a ring. Yeah, my alarm. <laughs> uh, nice. Um, 
you know, they had Young Justice on there. They had Batman the Animated Series on there. They had all the CW stuff air on there after their seasons aired on the CW. And I'm just like, well, you know, now that they've got Sandman, which is such a big hit, that's also Warner Brothers Television, like, mm-hmm. maybe Netflix will be like, y'all done screwed up. We're going to pick this up and show you what you missed out on. Yep. That's my hope. Will it happen? I don't know. Reeves, Abrams, Brubaker, Tim. You've got all those names for Batman the Cape Crusader, and you as the parent company go, eh, not good enough. Shop it somewhere else. Like, what? And even the merry little Batman. I'm like, that's a nice little... That's got to be a nice little fun Christmas thing. Yeah. Like, come on. What are you doing? Yep. The other stuff, like, I can kind of take or leave. Especially the the, 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 the My World of Gumball bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I don't care. If you like it, cool. I mean, I throw it on for my cat every now and again. But, you no, know, <laughs> I'm good. Uh, the Urkel holiday thing, that sounded funny. Um, the Looney Tunes stuff, hit or miss, truthfully. Mm-hmm. Because I, I haven't really checked out the new Looney Tunes animation. It didn't look that good. But, you know, the, the two stories they had for the for the Bugs Bunny and the, the, the blow-up between Daffy and Porky, I was like, okay, cool. But just to just be like, nah, what? And again, you know, that we're strictly talking they don't want it on their streaming service. But the fact that they're passing on Batman the Cape Crusader... And these, ooh, are willing to proceed with Gotham Knights on the CW? Ugh. Oi. Big oi. Oh my god. Let's also not forget that Titans is getting a fourth season. Oh, yay. Still. Freaking wonderful. Yeah, I'm not watching that. Oh, your favorite show is also getting a second season. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Peacemaker. Gotta make sure Abrams can get his Peacemaker out. Gun. Yay. James Gunn, not 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 Abrams. Sorry, yeah, Gun. Yeah, sorry. No, no, uh, you're, you're fine. It's 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 all in the blood boiling fury going on right now. I get it. It's, I, just, it's so disheartening, man. We didn't even get like, we didn't even get a tease of what it was gonna be like. You know, I bet, I bet peacemaker gets its second season right mm-hmm. it ain't gonna get the same budget it had for season one nope not at the with the rate they're cutting this stuff heck no and you know what if i have to eat crow on that if david zaslav <laughs> if whoever at hbo max like nah give james good all the money for peacemaker season i'm just gonna be like really y- y- yeah. of all the things you can you dump more money into the jingoistic nonsense. You know what? I'm going to shut up. I'm going to shut up before I just go on a giant, <laughs> filled, unfiltered rant because I just try to be cool. Yeah, you try know, to be nice. You, I won't spoil it for people that haven't seen it. But, you know, there's a certain scene at the end of Peacemaker where, you know, certain characters are there. And, you know, some of us kind of blacked out, you know, budget reasons, that kind of stuff, scheduling, whatnot. Yeah, the budget they're going to get for season two, you'll be lucky if they get friggin' sock puppets. I'm still mad that scene happened. <laughs> I'm, I'm still just so <laughs> aggravated at that, that, the I fact remember that you happened. Sent, I remember you messaging me. <laughs> it was just, 
uh, you're, what was it? Something along the lines of like, I just watched the final episode of Peacemaker. Oh, okay, what'd you think? Dot, dot, dot. And I just looked at that and I was like, oh boy. It didn't make any sense. It made zero sense to me <laughs> whatsoever. And I've, I've, I've had conversations with people who are like, oh no, Amanda Waller has files on all these. And I'm just yeah. like, that's not good. No, 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 no. Just because she has files on these people does not mean she has direct communication and contact with mm -hmm. these people. Give me something else that's a little bit more plausible. I'm sorry. Yeah. Matter of fact, the Hell, only... her showing up in the Harley Quinn show so far has made more sense. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and you know what's even funnier about that? Which lineup of the Suicide Squad did they use in the <laughs> Harley Quinn show? I'll tell yeah. you this. It wasn't the one from James Gunn's movie. It wasn't that. No. No, it was the squad from the 16 movie. Yeah. Yep. yep. Hashtag release the air cut. Brought to you by the <laughs> Eternal Night Podcast. That's right, folks. We stand David Ayer over here. Oh, man. But, man, I'm just... Between this and Batgirl and even with, like, the Strange Adventure stuff, I'm just like, mm -hmm. how are you going to sit here and talk about DC... Being your biggest, most IP, your yeah. biggest thing. Means the most to WB. And you're just swinging the axe at that tree left and right, whittling it down. I'm like, what are you doing? What is, what is your, what fundamental thought process is going into, let's kill our biggest IP? So we can cost yeah. us save some money? Why not get rid of the non-scripted content? Yep. Screw the live BS. Screw the Kardashians. Screw all that reality tv bullshit oh my god just to hell with all that but no that, that crap sells i don't know why but hey at least house of dragons was awesome yeah still haven't watched it but i'll probably check it out uh non-spoiler alert it was awesome that's all i'm gonna <laughs> say it was cool i enjoyed oh, it i will i will say this real quick too i'm already peeved about batman the cave crusader obviously if these mother effers scrap that spinoff show with Kite Man and Bane hanging out with all the villains in a bar, I'm going to lose it. You're going to watch I Craig. Need, you're going to watch a video my, of Craig I just need flipping my his kite desk. Man, I need my Kite Man and I need my Bane hanging out in a bar with other DC villains. You will literally watch a TikTok from Craig where he just flips <laughs> a desk over and says to hell with it. I'm done. I'm canceling HBO Max. Which I wouldn't be surprised if, like, a good portion of DC fans have already done that by now. The streets will run red with Warner Brother executive blood. Yep. Yep. I will go full Bane on them. I'd pay money to see that. Ugh. I would pay legit big dollars to see that happen. It's just, it's so baffling, man. These... These last couple weeks have just been like one announcement after the other just makes you just go, why? I almost just want to do a mock-up page of like Zaslav smiling, but he's just holding an axe. Like God <laughs> of War real. style. Like, oh my God. Like, I, I picture him with the axe standing over the Kevin Conroy animated series Batman about to chop his head off while the CW Gotham Knights kids are just hanging out watching. 
<laughs> and they're just like pointing at, and they're just pointing at him like, our show, our show's still gonna go on. Yeah, but for how long? If that lasts more than a season, I will lose it. I, I, you know, I really don't see that happening. But from what didn't CW get like bought recently? Something like that. I know the CW is like on its like last legs okay. something like that i just pulled up an article from hollywood reporter as of eight days ago uh local tv giant next star seals deal to buy 75 percent stake in the cw reshaping broadcast landscape uh the broadcast network currently runs as a joint venture between warner brothers discovery warner brothers tv and paramount cbs studios selling 75 percent stake to local broadcast giant next star paramount warner brothers discovery will each retain a 12 percent 12.5 percent stake in the venture uh, the CW will also continue to orbit programming from the two entertainment giants, though Next Star is likely to look elsewhere for originals as well. So, um... Uh, Alright, first thing on this merger, scrap that freaking Gotham Night show. <laughs> Honestly, I don't see Stargirl lasting after its third season. No. I for damn sure don't see Superman and Lois lasting past its third no. season. No. If Gotham Knights makes it past a first season, I will be genuinely surprised. I don't want it to get past its pilot episode. I want it to be one of those situations where they're just like, guys, this is bad. We got to pull the plug now. I mean, if that happens, then we can't watch it out of curiosity. True. True. Which I'm giving, I'm willing to give anything benefit of the doubt, but when you have a Batman mask that looks infinitely worse than the one shown in Gotham, <laughs> well, well, I'm, I'm, my, my hope isn't high. Only thing that would make that show worth it is, like, at the end of the first episode, you know, maybe they're trying to decide, like, what their next move is or something. What are we going to do? And the screen pans over, and it's just, you know, it's a black area, and all you hear is, a freeze is coming, and <laughs> Arnold steps out. That's the only way I would find that show entertaining, and I that's the only thing that would keep me watching. You know, it's funny. You mentioned Arnold Schwarzenegger, and... um I recently watched Prey. I think it was last weekend. Oh, yeah. And that movie happened because The Predator totally bombed at the box office. Mm-hmm. This is just not a good movie. It's just not it's a, a terrible one. It, I, it, I'm not, not afraid to say it. It's one of the absolute worst movies I've ever seen. And the ironic part is it's made by the guy who did the first one. It's made Which by is Shane, hilarious. Shane Black. I don't, it's either I don't Shane Black or Matt Tiernan. It's Shane Black. Did he do the first? Yeah, he, he wrote the first he was, one. He was an actor, I think, in the first one. I want to say he directed the first one, but I could be wrong about that. Hold on. That movie was abysmal. It it was just not good. No. Okay, so he for sure directed the Predator, but he did not do the first Predator movie. Yeah, I think he was he was an actor in the first one, and he might have been maybe like a co-writer in the first one. But he, yeah, he for sure directed the the Predator, and who boy. Okay, yeah, because the original, the director of the original is John McTiernan. McTiernan yeah. known for Die Hard, obviously. But yep. yeah, yeah, I, I want to say I think Shane Black might have done some script doctoring on the first film because he did a lot of script doctoring back in the day. He was he was an actor in the first one. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the nerdy guy with the glasses. Right, right, right. Yeah, Hawkins. Yeah, yep. Hawkins was the first one to die, I think, too. Mm. Yeah, then he, he decided. Then he decided he wanted to kill a franchise. Literally, almost did. Like the literally almost did was just not good. 
It no. was just not a good movie. But apparently, they almost got Arnold Schwarzenegger to come back for the post-credit sequence. Mm. I don't know that that would yeah. help that movie at all, but I heard there was apparently a bunch of different ideas for the ending of that movie. Like they ended it with that. There's like a Iron Man suit that he gets that the Predator was going to bring him and he's going to go use it to kill other Predators. But I guess like some of the other ideas for the ending, one of them was going to be Arnold was going to make a cameo. There was even one that suggested that Sigourney Weaver was going to make a cameo as Ripley. I, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. And then there was another one, uh, if I remember right, suggesting that Newt from Aliens was going to make a cameo. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that either. Yeah. Terrible movie. Terrible. Prey was awesome, though. Haven't seen it yet. I'm going to oh. hope uh, I got the day off tomorrow. I think I'm going to check it out. Yes. Yeah, oh yeah. It, it It's very much... It goes back to what Predator was all about. Good. But yeah, like there's that fun little Arnold Schwarzenegger tie in there. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, even from what I saw based on Gotham Knights, they're not even going to turn Misha Collins, Harvey Dent, into Two-Face at all. Yeah, no, he? I think he's just sticking as Harvey Dent. I'm just like, well, you guys didn't do that. and You did it in Gotham, too, and look how well mm -hmm. that turned out for you. And I think Misha Collins, he'd make a great Two-Face. Yeah, if they actually wanted to do Two-Face, because he hasn't mm -hmm. been in, in like a movie or a TV show like Two-Face proper since, excluding Harley Quinn, obviously, but since The Dark Knight. Yeah. Played eloquently by Aaron Eckhart. Yep. But um, speaking of Two-Face. Yeah, speaking of Two-Face. Let's just go from the bad to the good now. We, oh. got, we got the Band-Aid off. We put the Neosporin on. We got the Venom out. Yeah. You know, we're, we're good. We can move on about our business and, and get right into it. We're here to talk about make good our promise on. Like, we're yep. here. We're going to talk about Two-Face. We're going to talk about the two-parter. We're going to have a great time. We're not going to remember <laughs> everything that just happened from Warner Brothers Discovery. <laughs> Palette cleanser right here. That's right. Okay. All right, folks. That's right. series two-parter titled two-face um i want to say both parts are directed by kevin altieri i know the first one was for sure directed by kevin altieri but uh, let me check i've got a synopsis I've... pulled up right here yeah yes both episodes were kevin altieri kevin altieri is a what's the word i'm looking for here veteran batman the animated series director helming multiple episodes but this one definitely, I think, takes the takes the cake in some mm -hmm. regards. Like he's phenomenal in his own right. He did on Leather Wings. Yep. 
But I would say some of his best work is absolutely in this episode. And we once again, as always, get an absolutely fantastic musical score by Shirley Walker. Correct. Now, um, I would also like to point out that Two-Face, Harvey Dent, both both personas are voiced by Richard Mole. Mm-hmm. And kills it. Absolutely bloodies this part. That was my attempt at my English accent. I don't know how good that was. <laughs> last, the last thing I for sure remember seeing him in is Scary Movie 2 and Jingle All the Way. That oh, is, I forgot he was in Jingle All the Way. Yes. It's been so long since I've seen that. Yeah, I. that's my familiar, a lot of my familiarity with Richard mm-hmm. Mole. Um, but yeah, I, I had no idea he was the voice of Two-Face up until today. Which says a lot about me. Oh, apparently he was also Scorpion, Matt Gargan in Spider-Man the Animated Series. I'm looking at his IMDb page right now. Really? Uh-huh. Huh. Wow. Matter of fact, yeah, I can hear that now. Interesting. Apparently he also did a voice on Cow and Chicken, too. <laughs> this is great. Wow. He's in Babylon 5. He's in Getting By. The Flintstones? He was Hoagie in the Flintstones? Huh. Oh wow, he's in the Highlander TV series too. Huh. He was in Fallout, the yes. original Fallout. Yes. Interesting. Ah, he was a uh, in the hit film Spiders Two: Breeding Ground. Yes. He's also Eugene yeah. on Happy Days. Oh yeah, that's right. Fonzie's Funeral Part One and Part Two. Plays a character huh. by the name Eugene. Um, but yeah, um, this, this to me, it, when I hear Two Face in any other medium, it's for sure this. It, it's for sure Richard Mole's voice. Every oh, time he was the voice of the Bat Computer in Batman the Animated Series. Huh? How about that? <laughs> How about that? Interesting. Oh wow, he reprised the role of Two Face for Batman: The Brave and the Bold. You know, I've never watched that show. I mean, it's not my immediate go-to Batman TV show to watch, but what I did watch, I enjoyed. Hmm. I might have to check it out, you know, assuming it's still on HBO Max at this point. Okay, let's let's just move on. Let's move on before I get more mad. I'm pretty sure it is, so you're fine. Hmm. It's only three seasons. Uh, the art and tone is very um, Silver Age. Yeah. So, That's what I from the clips I've seen. It looks very, very Silver Age. Apparently, he had a role on Smallville too. Wow! Holy shnikes. That's cool. I got work. Okay, but yeah. Um, so, the, I do you remember anything about this episode before rewatching it for the for the show? Um, I mean, really, just the iconic shot, um, the reveal of Two Face. I remember that really sticking with me. Um, and also, actually, um, the uh, the scene with uh, Harvey in his um, therapist's office. Yes. When she wants to talk to Big Bad Harv. That has stuck with me since I was a little kid. I remember specifically getting freaked out when his voice suddenly changed. And his mannerisms change. And Big Bad Harv comes out. That was really freaky for, you know what was it this was 92 so seven year old me at that point yeah let me see when the first part aired because the second part aired on september 28th 
Uh, September 25th, it says, for so, episode one. Three days apart from, from mm-hmm. their original air dates, right? So I wasn't even... I, I was eight months old, nine months old, Shame seven months old. Youngin. Yeah, I am a youngin. Thank you. I was born in 92. <laughs> yeah, I'm as old as Batman the Animated Series, everybody. There you go. Have your have your jollies. <laughs> um, I think for me, you know, you pointed out that that, that sequence where Harvey's in his, in his shrink's office and he, you know, brings out Big Bad Harv because he's in a hypnotic trance uh-huh. and, you know, you just see him lose his shit. I think the, the, the beauty of that animation is watching... You know, his eyes turn from, you know, somber and reserved yeah. to big, the light, wide. The lightning strike. Yep. And, like, you can see him struggling. And um, it still kind of gives me goosebumps uh, thinking about it when she's like, big, bad Harv. And he's just completely silent. Present. Mm-hmm. And that was just like, ooh, ooh, okay. Shit's getting real. Okay. <laughs> So the episode opens up with Harvey waking up from a bad dream. He gets the call from his campaign manager. Gordon needs him. Gordon's at a robbery. Batman breaks it up. You see a bazooka fire off into the sky. Yeah. Harvey's there. He assists Gordon with a bit of the press. Gordon looks up and he thanks Batman, which I got to admit, like that shot of Batman silhouetted in the sky behind the moon, mm-hmm. that was dope. Yeah. That's really good animation right there. Um, but then one of you find out that these are, you know, a bunch of Rupert Thorne pundits. One of them decides to like mouth off to Harvey Dent and kick some mud on him, and Harvey just yeah. loses it in front of the press and tackles this dude and just like threatens to hit him. And Gordon, dude, has that's to, like, in handcuffs, mind you. Yeah, <laughs> handcuffed crook is like you know tipping off the DA and pissing him off and like making all this you know noise, but it just sends Harvey into an absolute fit, like huge rage fit, like what just you you see. Like, mm-hmm. Big Bad Harv creep out, and it's not pretty at all. I even wrote in my notes here, uh, there's a point where Gordon was kind of like, you know, dude, what was what was that, right. <laughs> essentially? And um, what does Harvey say? He says, uh, I don't know. I guess he just hit the right button. And I was just like, oh, so someone just kind of pokes you the right way? You're going to go uh, crazy on him? Evidently. And you're the district attorney? And you're doing this in, in front of a bunch of press. Mm-hmm. Good job. No, it's really... If if you think about politicians today, and if they did something like that, oh, it'd, it'd be yeah. everywhere. It'd oh, be, it'd, be, it'd be viral. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in an instant. Oh, yeah. And, and like, you think back to ni- the 1990s when this show was happening, it's like, you know, you think about the way press worked back then. It's like, oh, yeah, that for sure made airwaves within yeah. 24 hours in Gotham City Local. But here you know after that you find out rupert thorne decides as payback he's gonna get some dirt on harvey dent mm-hmm. and then we cut to a fundraiser thrown by bruce wayne who's showing some pretty large concern for harvey dent like it, it, this is the show that established them as friends if i'm not mistaken yeah because um earlier in the poison ivy episode we That's saw right. that they, right. they knew each other they were friends you know bruce was really concerned about harvey when he got poisoned by poison ivy so this show, again, I, we've talked about it before, but this show did a really good job of weaving characters in without just straight up making them a villain right away. We got to know this Harvey Dent for a little while. You know, he's not in every episode of the animated series leading up to this point, but he was here and there. He was a presence. We got to know him as a character. So to kind of see in this episode 
you see this little bit of an unhinged side of himself, you start to wonder, like, if you're not familiar with the Batman mythos, then you're like, what is this guy's issue? Mm-hmm. And I want to say this is... No, actually, this was not my first introduction to Two-Face. That luxury belongs to Batman Forever. Yeah. <laughs> but I will also say that this made me think even back then as a child after having seen Batman Forever and this that there are very much, you know, parallel universes are a thing, different universes mm-hmm. exist, and there are many different ways characters can be adapted because this version of Harvey Dent is not quite anything like the version in Batman Forever. It's very much a little bit more sinister, a little bit more darker, a little bit more angry, a little bit very much emphasizing the the, the personality split. I would even say, in my opinion, he's even more, you know, dark and quote-unquote demented than even the Dark Knight interpretation of Harvey Dent. Because the Dark Knight Harvey Dent, while he did have those occasional moments where he kind of lost himself, Mm -hmm. they did very quick little bits on it you know he has like a small little blow up or he you can see he's kind of irritated with something and then i feel like once he became once he got scarred and he goes through that whole thing with the joker you know talking to him about chaos and fair and all that kind of stuff he does you know by that point he has a really become two-faced I just feel like the animated series, in my opinion, did a better job because you're seeing this more psychological effect. You know, him going through to a therapist and dealing with this dual personality that the uh, Dark Knight really didn't focus on, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, 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 the show, the animated series, had a larger emphasis on the fact that this version of Harvey Dent suffered from a personality disorder. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the Dark Knight, his personality was just amplified after the accident caused by the Joker and the death of Rachel. Whereas here, yeah, Big Bad Harv, as he's described in the episode, he's been there lurking within Harvey for years, ever since he was a kid. Yep. You, know, you find more out about that in the subsequent part two. Yep. But this, you definitely get to see a lot of what, what Big Bad Harv entails. And you see him really, like he loses his shit again at mm-hmm. this fundraiser after finding out that the warrant he had on thorns crooks fells falls through so the judge has to toss out the case he threatens bruce wayne and that that was kind of a big oh snap moment Mm -hmm. because he's sitting there getting ready to punch his best friend like what the only thing that stopped him from like losing it on him was that his uh fiance gets in the way that's right grace calms us down yep and then after that it's revealed to bruce that he is in fact seeing a psychiatrist but he wants to keep it under wraps because he's really concerned about losing this election. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're running for a district attorney and you don't want people to know that you have a um, psychotic other personality that um, tends to lash out and want to hurt people. Right. I mean, when you're such an acclaimed district attorney who's done a lot of good things for Gotham City, if it if word got out that you have a sinister personality disorder and your other personality is just this big jerk who goes around throwing people around and tossing shit out windows and just having big angry spurts yeah you really think people are going to vote for that no well you think back to like the the dent that they showed in the poison ivy episode i mean he broke ground with bruce wayne on the new um prison right 
And his goal at that time, he's like, we're going to clean Gotham up. And now you're going to, you're threatened with the idea that peep, the public is going to find out that you have this side of you that uh, should probably be in that prison. For sure. And it's it's at this point, you know, we actually get to see the moment you talked about. We see him talking to mm-hmm. his shrink, the lightning flashes, and then you see what is to become of Harvey Dent. Like, you get that quick flash of, mm-hmm. you know, his disfigured face, the big eye. You see it all, but it's behind a thunder flash. Yeah. Then Big Bad Harv is brought out with the hypnotics, the hypnosis, whatever you want to call it. And, um, you know. In- instantly starts flipping the coin. Oh, yeah. Flips the coin. Then it gets to the point where he starts throwing shit around and throws the desk out the window. Rain is thundering down. and it's He's not... about to kill the woman. Oh, yeah. Essentially. He's essentially... That, that part, I remember that part freaking me out, too, as a kid. Because she's this little old lady. <laughs> and he he starts trashing her office. She starts to try to run away. And he grabs her by the arm. And, mm-hmm. like, he's, like, he's like gearing up. Like, he's ready to swing on her. And oh, the yeah. only thing that saves her is that she's able to snap her fingers and bring him back. And even then, after that, he looks around immediately because yeah. he knows he's back in control. And he's like, did I do this? Yeah. He's beside himself. He's he's just disappointed. He's distraught. He has absolutely no idea what to do at this point. And it's in it's in this moment that his shrinks like, look, you should probably check yourself in to mm-hmm. the to the local ward for a few days. And he's like, I I have an election to win. I can't yeah. do that. So she, she suggests, you know, maybe we should up our sessions. Maybe you should like back off the elections. You should just take it easy. And he's like, all right, fine, whatever it takes, but please just just keep this on the down low. Like keep it keep it a secret, right? Mm-hmm. So then a couple you know, some time passes, presumably, and then they're celebrating the returns at his what you would presume to be his soon to be victory speech, right? Like Grace is there, Bruce is there, they're all there, and he, they, you know, he's even notified by his campaign manager he's winning by a landslide. It's looking good yep. for him. But unfortunately, Harvey gets a phone call. Yep. And it's none other than Rupert Thorne. And what does Rupert Thorne tell him? Oh, hey, I'll make you a deal. But if you don't take this deal, I'm going to take your file. I'm going to break it all to the news outlets and everyone's going to know you're insane. Everyone's going to know about Big Bad Harv. That's right. That's right. So as this deal gets brought to his attention, Harvey's like, you know, I, I... I gotta do this. Like I have to, I have to go see him. Otherwise my secret gets exposed and then I'm screwed. Right. Yeah. So he rushes down the hall and Bruce Wayne in true Bruce Wayne fashion. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Fooling scene. around with some lady. And I'm like, yep, that's Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yep. And then he sees Harvey and he's like, he completely blows her off, which yeah, again, it, super instantly. funny. And you know, there's a really great line here and, and Bruce knows immediately. He's like, he sees the car and he's like, you're in trouble, aren't you, Harvey? And then Harvey responds with, you don't know the half of it. Yeah. And I'm that like, that's a good line. That's such a good line. Like, I know the meaning behind that. I know exactly yep. what they're getting at with that line. It was really good. So somehow, some way Bruce manages to dress up as Batman and chases this car. And I saw that on one of the license plates, it said December 7079. So I'm not even looking at the 70 part. I'm looking at the 79. I'm like, does this take place in the late seventies? Oh, yeah, I never thought of that. Like huh. 1979? Interesting. Like, that was that was something I noticed, and I was like, huh, maybe. I don't know. Hmm. Time will tell. 
So Batman's presumed he's chasing, he's jumping off car tops, which I find hilarious. Yeah. Because Batman's just jumping on top of cars like it's nobody's business. And mm-hmm. It's not like anyone's noticing him. Were they? I don't know. But they pull up to this chemical plant and Thorn is sitting there taunting Dent around all of his men. And Batman, as Batman does in Batman fashion, he's on top of the rafters, listening in. And then as Thorn asks for a favor from the DA in exchange to keep quiet about his personality or disorder, that's where the mistake happens. He pushes Harvey so mm-hmm. much to the point where he's so frustrated, it's like, oh, you screwed up because big bad Harv comes out. Yeah. And he tells Thorne straight up, he's like, you want to know the problem with this? You're talking to the wrong Harvey. And I was like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. There it is, right? So then you get a really interesting fight between you know Harvey Dent and Batman and the rest of the goons. But unfortunately, um, well, this is where the accident happens. Mm-hmm. Very brutal honestly oh, and yeah. i forgot how brutal it was uh you know i haven't seen this episode in so long it's gnarly mm-hmm. like the reaction the way his body reacts to just getting half of himself just blown up yeah you know this is quite the departure from how he's traditionally gotten his his you know scarred face yeah you um, you compare this to the <laughs> Batman Forever, where it's just, uh, the dude threw some acid on his face, uh, ah, jeez. Nah, this was like, nah, we blew this dude up. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, it's, it's, thinking about it now, like, the Dark Knight kind of took its inspiration from this more than that. Yeah, and even then, they weren't willing to commit to the way the animated series did it, because in the Dark Knight, yeah, there's an explosion, he falls down, but he just, he kind of falls, and the flames from the explosion touch him, which cause the flames to go across him and give him the scars. Right. This is just straight up, nah, just half his body gets blown up. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because, you know, traditionally in the comics and also in Batman Forever, um, the scarring happens because boss man Maroney is sitting across from him in a courtroom and throws acid at his face. That's how and the scarring happens. No, no acid involved in this one. No. No, instead it's a chemical plant. One of the goons shoots at Harvey. Uh, Harvey falls to the ground. Some of the power lines from the chemical plant land inside one of the chemical vats. The chemicals explode, and that in turn, let, you know, the explosion affects Harvey. Batman mm-hmm. turns Harvey over. Like you even hear in Batman the most somberest yeah. way go, Harvey, no. Yeah. And I'm like, why hasn't that been turned into a meme yet? Yeah, for real. <laughs> and so it was, it was it's horrifying. It, it yeah. It's just, it's unfortunate because now you see what happens to a good man when something terrible happens to them. Uh You see what happens when one bad day hits you really hard. Yep. So we get to the hospital and, you know, Bruce is just kind of defeated. He's like, he's my friend and he's, he couldn't save him. He couldn't save him. Right. Like he, he has no idea what to do. So the end of the episode ends with the doctor taking Harvey's bandages off. And you, it's almost like Batman 89, it is, yeah. The Joker reveal. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so he sees himself in this mirror, and you just hear him scream in agony. Oh, my God. This As as Grace is heading towards his room, mm-hmm. and she hears the scream. Yep. Oh, that was rough. Yeah. That was just rough to, to, to witness all over again as an adult, because you're just like, whoa. 
Yeah, and then he comes stumbling into the hallway. She can tell it's Dent, so, you know, she starts heading towards him. She's like, Harvey, what's the matter? And then there's the reveal. The iconic reveal at that, too. Yes. Where they, they do the thunder shot again. Like, they do the thunder yeah. crumbling down, and then the and, flashes. But this time it is not a flash. This nope. time it is it is there the, to stay. It is the real deal. And then Grace passes out from just pure shock of like, oh my god. Yeah. And then he escapes out the window, and then the episode ends with To Be Continued. Yeah. Now, do you want to save rankings for the overall two-parter, or would you go ahead and rate this episode right now? Uh, I would just say rate this episode now. Um, for me, it's a straight five. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I think for me, it's also a, a straight-up five storytelling character development action this has everything you need in a 22 minute batman episode oh absolutely i mean you see the downfall of one of gotham's brightest greatest characters turn from you know such a high place and fall so low and then that will in turn lead him to where he goes in the next episode and man part two is an even bigger doozy and i think i think you need you, oh, of course you need you, you, the first episode absolutely informs where the second episode picks up yeah but yeah I, Craig and I are on the same page 5 out of 5 for part 1 of Two-Face um, getting into part 2 th- th- it just picks right up where part mm-hmm. 1 leaves off well kind of because there's like a 6 month gap as you find out later in the episode Yeah. Um, do you remember any of this episode the only thing I remember I remember him doing the coin flip for the first time, like kind of explaining like the good and the bad of the coin flip. Mm -hmm. Um, But the one thing that I will never forget from this episode is the nightmare that Bruce has. Yeah. That's has stuck with me ever since I very first saw it. That nightmare is terrifying. You know, it's funny, that that wasn't the thing that stuck with me from this episode. The one thing that stuck with me that I distinctly remember after having seen it as a kid was seeing Harvey, you know, having Grace at the end of the episode brought to him, and he's Mm. got the sheet over his face. That's one visual that stuck with me over time. Yeah. Which is funny, because you kind of think, like, why did he put the sheet over? Because she's seen what he looks like. But you get, you know, you get where he's coming from. Right. Right. So part two uh, picks up. Two Face pulls up to one of Thorne's bedding joints, and mm-hmm. um, with his two lackeys. Right. The Min and Mints. Min and Mints. Uh, twin bro. I got the synopsis here. Twin brothers. Min and Max. Min and Max. Oh, minimum and maximum. Okay, I get it. <laughs> How ironic. <laughs> anyway, you know, Min and Max. They 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 pull up to this bedding place owned by Thorne, and. Dent flips the coin. You get the first coin flip, right? Mm-hmm. And they decide to loot the place. He walks in, makes big noise, says, I own this place for the next five minutes. Yeah. Right? And uh, they, they, as they're robbing the place, you know, one of the goons, one of the twins is like, you know, oh, jewelry. And, and Harvey's like, no, we're here for the coin. And tells yeah, him he it. wants to take, uh, there's like a woman with like a diamond ring. And mm-hmm. he wants it. And Two-Face basically looks at him and goes, Jewelry wasn't part of this. Right. He says jewelry's not what we're after or something like that. And then tells him to leave it. He tries to take it and Harvey yells, leave it. 
Well, he flips the coin, remember? So right, right, he right, wants right. to take it, and Two-Face looks at him and says, like, you know, jewelry's not part of this. He flips it, and it lands on the good side instead of the scratched-up bad side. Right. And that, he looks at him, and he yells at the dude and is like, leave it. It's not part of the deal, which further shows you, like, he has fully become Two-Face now. Every decision he's going to make going forward is going to come down to a coin toss. Which is foreshadowing what happens at the end of the episode. Yep. And so, uh, after this, fires up the place and leaves Thorn Drive $200,000. He yep. robs him outright for this. And apparently, this is the this is the tidbit here from Thorn talking to his aide, secretary, woman, I don't know. Yeah, uh, what's her name? Candace. There you go. Apparently, this has been happening for at least six months. Yep. Which is like, wow. To f- the fact that there is a six-month jump between episode one and two is just like, whoa. What else has he been doing in that six months? And this whole time, Batman has not been able to catch him. And this whole time, these six months, he's been specifically attacking Thorne's businesses. Yeah, and then Thorne puts out a hit, makes a contract, says $2 million for the person who brings him Two-Face. And that, I yeah. believe, is where the term gets coined by someone in the animated series. Yeah. And then we get to, you know, the, the portion Craig remembers, and that's the bad yep. dream that Bruce has about Harvey and subsequently brings up his parents. Yeah. I just, the imagery really sticks with me because I, like, you've got this shot of Bruce as Batman, and he's trying to save Harvey before he falls, you know, uh, before he gets blown up. And uh, basically, he reaches out and Harvey as Two-Face falls into this pit of fire mm-hmm. while he screams, why couldn't you save me? And then after he falls in the fire, it changes to his parents and Bruce's parents look up at him and go, why couldn't you save us, son? And then he wakes up <laughs> sweating and gasping and I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Holy crap. <laughs> I mean, it. you could almost These argue... These are the things going through Bruce Wayne's head. Yeah, you could almost argue this is, you know, in, in the comics, when Jason Todd died, that was his second yeah. greatest failure. In the uh-huh. animated series, you could probably say that this would be his second greatest failure. Ah, number yeah. two, number two, <laughs> number two, Two-Face, yep. ah, see, yep. see? Yeah. Yeah, that, that nightmare sequence is a trip, man. And then he makes the vow right there in the cave to save his friend, which yep. I admire quite a bit. And you got to feel like I, I do like the fact that they did that six month time skip because you really see it on on Bruce's face. Like he is worn out. He is guilt ridden. Mm-hmm. He cannot believe that because he failed to save his friend, this monster is now out there. And I mean, just imagine that six months as Batman you have been unable to catch this criminal and he's your friend. And that has to be taking a toll on him mentally as shown by this nightmare sequence. I mean, it's affecting a lot of different people. It's affecting Bruce. Grace is obviously still affected by this. She's seen sobbing over him at a very, very sight of his own picture. Yeah. Then she gets a knock on the door and it's from a detective. Mm. Presumably. Detective Candace. Candace. How about that? Uh, She gives Grace a beeper and says, you know, if you come into contact with Harvey, 
hit this, it'll alert us with your exact location, we'll come find him. And then it turns out the detective is actually Candace, Thorne's right-hand woman. Yeah. You think you think Candace would have been like, oh, you're a detective, can I see your badge? You would think, right? But again, grief-stricken. In the moment, yeah. Yeah. So then it cuts to Dent counting money he's stolen from Thorne. He threatens the twins that they are not to take any of it until he says otherwise. Yep. The goons then offer to bring Grace to Dent, but he flips his coin and advises against it because the coin flips in the favor of being decent. Yep. And then Batman and Alfred are in the cave. Batman deduces that Dent is robbing all of Thorne's businesses. And then this is, you know, I... I think this is also where I first saw Batman on the Bat Cycle with the badass Batman helmet. I think this is. I don't think any of the other episodes we've watched so far have had the Bat Cycle in it. I think you're right. I think this is the, in terms of what we've watched so far, I don't think the Bat Cycle has been involved yet. And right before he even gets on, well, he jumps to the cycle, but as he's getting on it, Alfred has to remind him that Harvey's no longer the person that they knew, but Bruce is pretty yeah. adamant that he can still save his friend, which I did admire. Yep. So then we cut to Dent breaking into Thorne's office. He finds a file literally with everything you can imagine on Rupert Thorne. And Harvey says, you know, this is exactly what I've been looking for. I've been trying to subpoena this for, for months. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's been axing for this, right? No pun intended. <laughs> Funny, quick little note too. He's in the office of Thorne's attorney. Yes. And I didn't, I'd never noticed this the times I've watched this, but uh, the synopsis pointed it out as like a little note. Uh, Thorne's attorney's last name is Doubleday. Oh, man. (laughs) Wow. Go figure. That's too funny. Too, too funny. Yep. So then Batman stops the robbery. He tries to convince Dent that he can save him. But unfortunately, he gets his back. Batman turns his back to him and Dent just knocks him out. Yeah. Which is really unfortunate. Then Batman gets kicked into a janitor-like cart. With a bunch of stuff attached to it. It's like, that has to hurt. Yeah. That has to really hurt. I used to be a janitor once. I can tell you, that equipment's kind of heavy. It is kind of funny just seeing everything that Batman goes through through all the things we've seen in movies and TV shows, animated shows, all that stuff. It is kind of funny to watch him get kicked into a janitor's cart. That's just like what does him in there for a little bit. Right. Well, hey, man, if you hit a mop head the wrong way. (laughs) Yeah. It's done for dunzos so then dent decides to phone grace and he wants to see her he tells her to look out the window and that the car will take her to him and um then thorn is advised of the fact that dent has his you know big file right so then we're met with harvey's new hideout which is called the wild deuces 2 again another two motif I love this setup. I love this, like, hideout that he's got. So tell me why this hideout... I feel like... I really feel like Joel Schumacher looked at this episode for a lot of Two-Face inspiration. Oh, a thousand percent. There he has totally to be. Looked, he totally looked at this and was like, yep, I'm doing this for my hideout for Two-Face. I mean, it might not have been called the Wild Deuces, but just the yeah. general idea that that one half was, like, super mm-hmm. orderly and the other half was just broken down, disheveled, and super chaotic. Yep. And then, you know, what also happens towards the end of the episode with the massive amount of coins i'm like okay there's yeah th- there's no coincidence here this is just he almost definitely watched these episodes before 100 percent, 100 percent, right so grace is brought in there harvey's inside and again this is the part that i remember is when he's got the the sheet over his face to hide the mm-hmm. you know the the scars and everything um 
and it, it's it's at this point you know he tells grace he's no longer harvey dent he's now two-face and that this building is a dichotomy of order and chaos and that he's pretty much obsessed with his coin and there's a quote for, that that goes with it he just chances everything mm-hmm. yeah it, everything now in his eyes comes down to chance yes i don't remember the exact there's more to it than that but i'm I can't remember it for the life of me. It's something along the lines of like, he says something and I'm paraphrasing, of course, something along the lines of like chance even determines like how good or bad an individual becomes or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Something to which, that. Uh, which I really like that. Then grace tries to help him. She tries to remind him who he is. She takes the sheet off. And then of course, as they're about to kiss, who comes knocking through the door, Rupert Thorne. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't really knock. It just kind of barges in, but besides the point thorn kind of interrupts everything batman's racing through the rain thunder's crackling he finally arrives at the wild deuces and he gets off his bike in such a slump manner he's like (laughs) yeah oh and and thorn throws in you know the little jab at two-face basically saying that like hey by the way your girl led us here not only that he goes finally we meet face yeah to face (laughs) to face and it's like damn thorn is such a dick (laughs) <laughs> yeah he's yeah. such a dick in this show and the most frustrating thing is is most of the time he gets away with his stuff and that just makes him even more of a dick we know it's funny you know we talked about Th- rupert thorne and roland daggett and how they're kind of like modern-ish mm-hmm. revision maroney and maroney and Falcone. yes exactly yep and and you know traditionally in the comics maroney was the one to scar yeah harvey dent and now yep. that 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 has actually been taken up by Rupert Thorne. It's like, okay, you can kind of see which one's which. Yep. So then um, Thorne pulls out a gun and, oh wait, no, I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Uh, Thorne and his goons are ransacking the hideout because he wants this file, something wicked yeah. fierce. And then he finally decides to like, you know, kind of taunt Harvey and let him know like, you're the idiot who brought your girlfriend here. She's pretty, you know, mm-hmm. it would be a shame if something happened to her and Harvey's just like, don't you dare. Mm-hmm. And Thorne's like, give me the file she'll be fine right like goading him into getting him the file harvey then pulls up the table i don't what what game is that isn't that like a it's a gambling uh, game but ru- roulette the roulette, thank you yeah little ball thing spinning around yeah right lifts that table up shows him the file and then in true typical gangster fashion thorn's like all right take care of him it's like you yeah. douche it's exactly what you knew was coming but then of course goon pulls out the gun on harvey batman out of the shadows throws the battering at this goon stops it all and steps out of yep. the shadows and he's still just like Ugh. <laughs> and then thorn tries to take out batman with a tommy gun that he does but then two-face kicks it yep causing then, it makes a chandelier fall on him right right and then batman and two-face again they fight off thorn's men and after this after all the fighting thorn decides to pick up a gun or sorry harvey picks up the gun points it at thorn and batman's yep. like no let justice take care of this and and harvey's like do you want the law to take care of this look yeah. at what happens when the law doesn't work like what are you talking about and then harvey flips the coin and then again like in batman forever mm-hmm. batman takes all the silver dollars and throws them in the air and you get this montage of dead going ah yeah. no my coin <laughs> oh man that i I really think Schumacher looked at this episode for a lot of Two-Face inspiration. Oh, totally. Because it's, it's just too similar not to think about, right? 
And it is cool. You know, it also gave us something I don't think anyone ever thought. You see Batman and Two-Face fighting goons together. Right. You know, I even remember when I was a kid, I was like, ooh, is Two-Face going to be a good guy now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been an interesting thing to see. Yeah. Harvey loses his control. He sobs with Grace. Thorne is taken into custody. Harvey is also taken out in cuffs, presumably to the psychiatric ward. Um, and then Batman flips the coin into the fountain and says, with a, little, with a little luck for you, Harvey. And I genuinely almost shed a tear at this yeah. moment. Well, and I think uh, Batman says something along the lines to Commissioner Gordon, something like, as long as there's love, there's hope. Yeah. Which is a really right. good line. And there was that that shot was really heart wrenching um, with Grace holding Harvey's head in her hands and they're just pressing their heads together and they're both just sobbing. It's just like, oh, my God, this is so sad. It's super sad. Like, how do you not get sad at something like that? I mean, he he's one of his best friends has just been completely destroyed in from a mental yeah. standpoint. He's physically scarred. It's going to take a long time to even try and recover from that, but man. He, he went on a six-month <laughs> crime spree. Right. Yeah, man. I got to say, like, both these episodes are just five out of five. Yep, same here. Another another five out of five for me. So I guess that would kind of put the two-part at a ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. Now, I did kind of put some feelers out there on the social medias. I tweeted out. Um, I did leave a Facebook pitch, and we did get a comment. A good friend of mine, uh, Chris Evans from Gathering of the Geeks, he he says, the only comment I have is that the Two-Face two-parter is absolutely majestic and responsible for my deep love of the character today. And I think Chris, Craig, mm. and I can absolutely echo that same sentiment. So thank you for commenting on that, bud. Appreciate it. Yep. yep. Yeah, This this definitely, to me, I remember as a kid... There were a couple of comics where I saw Two-Face as a character prior to the animated series. But, I mean, very similar to what the animated series did with Mr. Freeze, I think they did with Two-Face as well. They really gave us a definitive origin story for this character. They made you humanize with him. And they really made you care about the character despite the fact that they're a villain. I agree completely. I think when you can find a way to bring out the humanity in these characters, it, it almost makes it difficult to, well, not really difficult, but you, you, you feel bad for the fact that they're, they're villainous people, especially Harvey Dent Two-Face, who goes from being, you know, to quote the Dark Knight, Gotham's White Knight, to just one of the most vicious villains that could plague the city. Yeah. If given the means to do so, they can. And it just sucks because it makes it harder for Batman to, you know, really bring this person to justice because it's his former ally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just like you said, how, you know, it's obvious that Schumacher took notes from these episodes for his Two-Face. I think Nolan did the same thing with his Two-Face uh, in The Dark Knight. I think there are some good similarities between the Nolan Two-Face and the animated series Two-Face. They both have this this upstanding district attorney who just wants to do good. He wants, he wants to make Gotham city a better place. He wants to do everything he can, but there is this dark side to him that he is keeping suppressed and that he is keeping away from everyone that unfortunately, because of an incident that happens, it comes out and he unfortunately falls to the darker side. 
which is ultimately one of the most tragic batman villains in 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 the rogues gallery in my opinion like there's no more tragic villain than than harvey two-face yeah so our next episodes got the next three lined up here yep next one is uh fear of victory i remember this one very very clearly it's a batman and robin episode yep first time in this you know sequence that we're watching that we will see robin yes yes i do believe so yes yeah it's just looking at the past episodes you're right yeah this is the first episode with robin in it after that is i've got batman in my basement and then finally uh vendetta which looks to be another rupert thorne episode mm-hmm. but that is where we're going to we made good on our promise we, we yeah. did the two-face two-parter and now with our next couple episodes we got the next three lined up for you all hope you enjoyed listening to us ramble about batman the animated series because we love talking about it yeah, this, this was definitely a ramble episode for good and bad oh for sure <laughs> it's a it's a two-faced episode in its own right oh boy yeah for real <laughs> but um you know it's funny like the most recent book i can think of that has two-face in it that i read was all-star batman and robin and that not not the book written by G, by frank miller and drawn by jim lee no the, the more recent book that was done by uh, scott snyder and drawn by john Rabita jr well what do you know scott snyder once again coming in strong Oh, it's a pretty great story. Like, Batman has to take Two-Face on this crossroad country trip because he's got, like, a hit out on him, so he has to take him cross-country to get him where he needs to go. I don't really remember the specifics of it, but I know it's for sure a Two-Face hmm. story. It's, it's a good road, one. Road trip Batman style. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, we do have a couple cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Craig and I have a lot of mm-hmm. cool stuff in the works. Um we are going to more than likely do a commentary to actually we're for sure going to do a commentary to uh, justice league doom which turned yep. 10 10 years old this past year uh this Crazy. past february um that's one of our favorites we've been meaning to get around to doing that we're going to be doing that very soon and um we are also going to be talking through the unused storyboards for what would have been Zack snyder's justice league part two and three yeah crazy and then we are also planning a crossover, and we're not going to announce with who yet, but we have a very fun crossover in the works that we are planning. So just going to give you guys that little bit to bite and chew on. But yeah, man, it's been a fun episode. It was. Despite my rage, it was it was a good one. <laughs> yeah, I think we, we handled ourselves pretty well, all things considered. Mm-hmm. That's if I don't, if I do include the unfiltered stuff. Yeah. <laughs> gonna happen yeah for sure gonna happen yeah but you know everyone we we always appreciate you guys listening for everyone anyone out there who has listened or continues to listen we appreciate it that we do this for you guys we do it for everybody else we do it for a lot of other batman fans we also do it for ourselves because it's fun but if you feel like interacting with us by any means drop us an email uh eternal at gmail.com or feel free to follow the show just on twitter or facebook just search for t-e-k underscore podcast just add an at to that for Twitter. And also we're on Instagram. So feel free to give us a follow or like or a review on iTunes. That helps the show get noticed. But um, yeah, that is, I believe, where we are going to put a pin in it for this episode. Craig, any final thoughts on the Two-Face Two-Parter or anything else we've talked about today? Uh, no, nah, just uh, once again, FWB. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that maybe by the next episode, maybe we have some good news to report. But at the rate they're going... Oh, and real quick, too, 
F multiverses. That WB <laughs> cash grab money. Oh my god. I'm sorry. That I had to give it a quick rant on that. That game can go burn in a pit. But that get really, out of here with yeah, that, man. I haven't played it. Holy crap. It is the most generic Super Smash Brothers ripoff I have ever seen. <laughs> There's no items in it. The characters, so the, you're in these big, empty levels that have no artistic integrity to them whatsoever. The monetization, you, okay, get this. You remember, okay, you've seen the Multiverses trailer, right? Yeah. You see how Batman looks in that game? Yeah. One of the skins for Batman that you can download is the Batman the Animated Series skin, which is him with a black hood and gray or black cowl gray suit. Okay. You want to know how much that download is? I'm afraid to ask. 19.99. What? For the Batman the Animated Series skin. You're kidding. Nope. Nineteen ninety nine for a single character alternate skin. You're you're joking. I am not even joking. Oh my god! Wow. Yep. Just wow. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Wow. Oh, and they added uh, apparently to I think it was today they announced uh, they're adding Black Adam and uh, Stripe from Gremlins. Yippee Kaye! Wait a minute. You mean they're adding Black Adam to a Warner Brothers video game? Mm, Color yeah. me surprised. So get this. Get Black Adam's in it. I guess uh, Shazam's not going to be in it. What? Can't have those two crossing over. Oh, I'm getting heated again. We what? need to get out of here. What? 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 You mean to tell me they're putting Black Adam in the game but not... Oh my god. Mm -hmm. What the... What I mean, the... granted, the, they only announced two characters, so... But yeah, uh, Black Adam and Stripe have been announced for multiverses. Yeah, the game's the game's terrible. I can't believe that it has as many downloads as it does. I mean, I get it; it's a free to download game, but it's it's awful. It's generic. It's it is lifeless. Okay, I've seen skins for games that are downloadable for free, priced at most. Four ninety nine. I was like, okay, mm -hmm. that's understandable. Would I do it depending on the skin? Yeah, maybe. Nineteen ninety nine. Mm -hmm. GTFO with that mm -hmm. nonsense. Uh uh. I love Batman. I do. I love Batman the Animated Series. I love the new Adventures of Batman. I love that suit that Craig just described. I'm not gonna pay twenty dollars to get get the no. Uh uh. WBD. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Just, what are you... All right. We gotta get out of here. I'm signing... We're signing off. I'm... <laughs> just, no. If I continue to talk about this, I will get more unfiltered. Speaking of which, that's my handle. Any of you <laughs> feel like following me along, just search unfiltered, U-N-P-H-I-L-T-E-R-E-D-D-D. Twitter, Vero, Instagram. You all know the drill. You can also catch me on the Four Nerds every Thursday. You can catch me on the Nicotina Show most Mondays. You can catch me on the ACS Universe most Fridays. And occasionally, when I get the chance to, I usually do a show called Saturday Late Night Movies. I don't know if, Craig, you're, are you still on your social media cleanse? I am on my social media hiatus still. Okay. Um, still kind of debating if I'm going to come back right now. You know, I'm, I'm coming up on don't, a month now. Just don't. So, <laughs> just for, for, for everything that's happened yeah. in the last couple weeks, 
I feel I, like with everything that's happened and everything that's been announced, it's best that I stay off of it because mm. you're just gonna come back and just start breaking tables with your fists, like yep. angry, angry Craig. You know, yeah, no, big bad Craig. Mm. Maybe that should be your new Twitter handle. <laughs> Oh, just, that's a good one, actually. Just, just I kidding. like that. I, I was kidding. But actually, I kind of like that. <laughs> if you want to, yeah. no complaints. Just, just give me, just give me the credit because I coined it. Just kidding. But that—that that is uh, where unfiltered and big bad Craig are going to sign off for the night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, stay safe. Stay cool. Enjoy your bat caves. Keep reading, loving, watching, taking in Batman. We'll take we'll t- we'll talk to you guys later. You just stay safe. Take it easy. Pray pray for WB. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs>
this can thrive there and this and i mean looking at what sandman's doing for netflix right now i'm just like okay this is a no-brainer netflix is gonna look at what they're doing right now and being like you stupid f you stupid mother yeah like th this is this is a continue essentially a spirited sequel to the animated series and you are just like no nah, we don't want to put it on our warner brothers direct service and it's like fine we'll take yeah. it and profit off of it you dumb son of a bitch something that i've been waiting for for decades literal decades now i have been waiting for a return of the animated series and these fucks couldn't care at all oh no oh god no oh no 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 yeah it's just my god if it wasn't for our freaking watching the episodes i would have canceled my hbo max subscription because this shit just pisses me off i mean if it wasn't for um if it wasn't for you know like harley quinn if it wasn't for, yeah and, and house of dragons which was fucking awesome might i add um, haven't watched it yet oh dude it's so good that's like, good to hear like it's it's really good like i'm not even trying to exaggerate it was really well done it's very much in the early days of game of thrones it's got a lot of great character work there's a lot of great acting and, and my god matt smith holy shit matt smith turns in just in, in a single hour's worth because you know they're they're doing it just like they did initially they're doing 10 episode seasons hour-long episodes phenomenal absolutely spectacular from start to finish i was enthralled I, hmm. I had jumps i had oohs and ahs it was just very enticing in in the way that game of thrones was initially and i think they're off to a really great start i'm excited to see where they go through with that but yeah, yeah if, if it wasn't for their stuff like this you know the stuff that is meant to be on hbo max the stuff is yeah. meant to be a fucking service seller and you got you got people over there just like nah let's just shop this around to somewhere it's like what the fuck are you thinking Here's the thing that really chaps my ass about the whole goddamn thing. Wasn't it not just too long ago they put out that fucking thing and they're like, er, going forward, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman are going to be <laughs> our primary <laughs> points yep. of inspiration. Everything's going to be centered around Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Oh, never mind. We're going to pull the plug on the fucking Batman animated series. Fucking cocksuckers. <laughs> it's like... How much of a contradiction can you possibly be right now by being like, nah, we're not going to do a Batman-focused TV show on our Prime service that has all our Prime content, all these big IPs that we own. It's like, for fuck's sake, yes, that's, yes, appropriate wordage. Batman animated series. I just wanted, I didn't get a chance to really look at the article yet. Oh, dude, uh, here, uh, oh, yeah, it, it's in the chat. Yeah, that's right from tv line they they got it and even you know variety and and boris kit from hollywood reporter ran with it too and it's just like what the f what are you guys doing just absolute shame just it's it's just like i understand that you guys are going through a merger i understand that you're trying to cut down on costs and i understand why you want to get your house in order but this is just this is just asinine this doesn't make any sense at all. It's 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 by far almost nearly as asinine as canning Bat Batgirl. Yeah. So this is like just this sentence alone just makes you go, 
Are you fucking kidding? Among the projects that will no longer stream on the platform, Batman the Cape Crusader, from the Batman director Matt Reeves, J.J. Abrams, and comic book luminary Ed Brubaker. Mm. You have those three fucking names in a Batman animated series revitalization, and you go, eh. Fuck it. <laughs> we'll just wow. shop it somewhere else. Fuck it. It's like, what? The fuck? Described at a recent DC fan event as more Batman the animated series than the original Batman animated series. That's just foolish. It was make my blood boil. It's foolish. It's absolutely foolish. And you know they haven't even greenlit or announced a fifth season for Young Justice. And I'm like, well, that's a damn shame because that show's just awesome. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, David Zaslav? I don't know. I have, I have absolutely no idea what kind of thought process is going on in this kind of decision making, but clearly it's it's not of sound mind. That that's that's my best assessment of it. <laughs> I love I love this uh, quote in the article. More perplexing is that Warner Brothers was a studio built on its animation legacy. Huh. Yeah, no fucking shit. No fucking shit. No shit. And like. I just I, I'm just beside myself because you you mentioned the names attached to this alone like Bruce Tim, J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves who just turned in a very profitable movie for Warner Brothers. Yeah, the fucking god, critically acclaimed Batman movie. Right. You have a critically acclaimed Batman writer in the form of Ed Brubaker working yeah. on this as, in, as part of the writers' room, and it's like, what are you doing? Why? 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 Just why? But sure, let J.J. Abrams make f***ing Constantine and Madame Xanadu. That I'm sure that'll yeah. I'm sure that'll get you your subscriptions. Oh wow! They even canceled. They were gonna do an Amazing World of Gumball movie. Thank God. I know that's super cruel, but I just don't give a shit about that show. It's got its moments. I've seen a few episodes. It's it's fine for what it is. Okay, you know what? You have me there because I'd rather put that on for my cat than in um what is it? Adventure Time. Yeah. <laughs> Adventure Time is stupid. I just don't give a damn about that show at all. I think it's one of the dumbest shows. Period bar none. And <laughs> oh my god, it, it it ruined animation. It literally ruined animation going forward for the last decade. It, it because if you look at animation now, it's all stupid wit humor. It makes no sense. Like, it, it spawned shows like regular show. It spawned things like Amazing World of Gumball. It spawned things like, I don't know, uh, 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 Teen Titans Go. Like, it, all that dumb mm -hmm. shit you see on Cartoon Network now is purely a result of Adventure Time. And I am just fucking beside myself at how low that bar has become. Continues its cost-cutting measures. Off. <laughs> what a lazy, what a lazy response. And then I was looking forward to this, Merry Little Batman, in this animated yeah. family action comedy. A six-year-old Damian Wayne finds himself alone in Wayne Manor. He must transform himself into Little Batman in order to defend his home and Gotham City from the crooks and supervillains intent on destroying Christmas. And I'm just like. This... Yeah, it was gonna. It was gonna be fucking Batman Home Alone. Exactly. Like, what the hell? That's that's perfect. But yeah. no, 
No. Now it's probably... It, I, I feel like that one might get axed for sure. I feel like that one's just going to yeah. get cut cord. Doesn't matter. Like, I'm just... If they're if they're moving on from the Batman animated series, that has no shot. Yeah. Oh yeah. And bye bye bunny. What the first ever Looney Tunes original animated movie musical? Yeah, I saw that. Written by there was Ariel apparently Dumas. gonna there was gonna be two Looney Tunes projects, and both of them have been scrapped. Dude, this the head one of the head writers on this was Stephen Colbert. Oh, mm-hmm. Wait, no, hold on. I take that back. I, I misread that. This Bosa screenplay and lyrics by Emmy Award winner Ariel Dumas, who was a head writer on The Late Show for Stephen Colbert and also a huge Looney Tunes fan. The premise, after starring in a long-running Looney Tune Broadway production, an exhausted Bugs Bunny decides it's time to trade in sold-out shows for a life as a regular rabbit. That opens the door for the attention-craving Daffy Duck to bid for the lead role until he is kidnapped by an obsessive fan who has sinister plans for her favorite stage duck. Oh, dear Lord. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The Day the Earth Blew Up, a Looney Tunes movie. In this animated movie penned by Kevin Costello, odd couple Porky and Daffy become unlikely heroes when their antics at a local bubblegum factory uncover a secret alien mind control plot. (laughs) Against all odds, the two grow determined to save their town and the world. Peter Browngart serves as executive producer. Um, I don't know how a bubblegum factory uncovers a secret alien mind control plot, <laughs> yeah. but I'm a little inclined to watch it just based on that description alone. I'm going to guess if you chew the bubblegum, they take over your mind. That's the yeah, only thing maybe, I can maybe guess. Maybe if you blow the bubble and it blows up in your face, <laughs> yeah. that's how they take you over. The alien goes into your brain from there. And then there's Did I Do That? The Holidays, a Steve Urkel story. The animated musical holiday special written and executive produced by Wyatt Senek, C-E-N-E-C, and announced in September of 2021, finds Jaleel White reprising his legendary nerd role uh, as the iconic character from Family Matters, which ended in 1998. And as you (laughs) mentioned, there's an Amazing World Gumball movie, which I I don't care. I really don't care. (laughs) Oh, listen to this shit. Uh, HBO Max. Hold on. That's some shit. We're we're developing a DC anthology series, Strange Adventures, from Kevin Smith. One-hour drama was set to feature characters from across the DC canon. Would use each episode to explore close-ended morality tales about the intersecting lives of mortals and superhumans. In the latest edition of Smith's Hollywood Babylon. The filmmaker revealed that he, along with Supergirl writer Eric Carrasco, had been working on an episode together of Strange Adventures. Their episode would have focused on Jimmy Olsen and Perry White being taken by Bizarro to Bizarro World, with Smith set to direct the Strange Adventures installment. However, amid Warner Brothers Discovery's cancellations, Smith confirmed that Strange Adventures has been canceled and will not be going forward on HBO Max. Smith yeah. also revealed that Strange Adventures was eyeing Nicolas Cage to play mm-hmm. Bizarro. Mm-hmm. Are you... F- I could have seen Nicolas Cage as Bizarro? Yeah, and apparently they wanted... The studio wanted Harrison Ford to voice Perry White. Smith wanted John Goodman, and I'm like, well, shit, I would have been good either way. Yeah, either way, that would have been fucking awesome. And allegedly they wanted um, Jolo Menaduera, who's... Uh, or Mer- 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 oh, what is that kid's name? The kid who's playing Blue Beetle, and he's also in Cobra Kai. 
Oh, I know who you're talking about. I don't know his name, but I know I can see him. Yeah. Uh, okay, I, I apologize. Jolo Maradueña. I probably okay. butchered that because I don't have a Hispanic <laughs> accent. But yeah, he was going to voice Jimmy Olsen. And I'm like, well, that's fine. I like that. I could have got Nicolas Cage's Bizarro. Yep. And seeing this would have been perfect. These strange adventures, little one-hour episodes just tackling different subjects across the DC universe. Why the f*** would you not want to do this? Um, Apparently, Kevin Smith didn't even know about it. He says uh, in his Babylon, it says, uh, and quote, it feels like what was once to me a promising future of what we are going to see a bunch of DC stuff on HBO Max. More DC stuff than we would see theatrically, including shit like Strange Adventures. All gone. All of it is just f***ing gone now. I got a call the other day from Eric before all of this story broke, and he's referring to the story about the Batgirl cancellation. Right. And he was just like, Strange Adventures is officially dead. And I was like, what the f***? Are you serious? So they didn't even know. The goddamn people that were going to direct this shit didn't know. That seems to be a reoccurring theme with them canceling things. They kind of tend to cancel things and then not let the creative people know until after the fact, which is... God. That is just not a good way to uh, keep relations with your creative talent. Like, yeah. At all. You got someone like Kevin Smith and you just don't tell him that the thing that he was going to be working on is done. Right. Right, and it's just like, what are you doing? Warner Brothers Discovery, what are you doing? Young Justice is canceled, not coming back. No plans for season five, says the creator of Young Justice. Greg Wiseman, he's a nice guy. Earlier this week, there will be no fifth season. HBO Max only ordered one season of the show. There are no plans for another one. Of no course. Yep. And... Oh, however, the story is continuing in a six-issue comic miniseries. Oh, joy. Yep. And Doom Patrol and Titans are getting fourth seasons, but it's not looking bright for their futures after that. Yeah. I mean, I'll take more Doom Patrol. Don't get me wrong there, but as far as I'm concerned. Oh, I... but God, God, heaven forbid, we gotta let James Gunn do Peacemaker season two. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that. Just don't. <laughs> Just, oh man. Uh, he's, he's lucky. He's really lucky. He's really lucky. Yeah, and you know, if they're doing all this, you know, granted, you know, Harley Quinn is on its third season. It makes me really worried about Harley Quinn. And even more so about that spinoff show that was going to be the, like, what was it? The, like, Cheers, but with Batman villains? The 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 Kite Man spinoff. Yeah. I don't think they had a name for it yet, but yeah. Yeah, I have no Makes idea. Makes me worried about both of those. I think they commissioned a fourth season for Harley Quinn. It would be after that that they would have to kind of start shaking their boots a little and wondering what's going to happen. Oh, was a, apparently it's going to be called uh, Noonan's. Oh, right, after the bar. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's some that's some goofy shit. 
That's some real goofy shit. Thank you for listening to the Eternal Night Podcast. This podcast is not affiliated with Warner Brothers Discovery, DC Entertainment, or anything else related to WBD. Uh, all thoughts shared belong to those involved and not the companies they happen to work for or be talking about. If you would like to follow along the show, you can follow along on Podbean or iTunes. Feel free to drop us an email at eternalnightpod at gmail.com. You can also follow us along on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for T-E-K underscore podcast. Thank you.